Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. This episode deals with serious and distressing content. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, this is Beth. While I've got you, if you love how I survived, please rate, review, and subscribe. It helps other fans like you find us too. I turned around and saw his knife in the air. It's now piss pouring with rain and the curve in the road made me slip. I don't remember him saying anything at all really. I just remember hearing screams. This is How I Survived. Stories of everyday people and how they survived against the odds. I'm your host, Beth Young. You know, am I going to die or what? I mean, I, I look back at it now and I thought, you know, how did I ever survive that? I think that I probably survived for a reason. How I survived. Growing up in the desert town of Cooper Pedy in South Australia with their strict dad wasn't easy for Angelo and his older brother Jimmy. Known as the underground town, it's famous for being a place where people can find their fortunes mining for opals. But with a population of less than 2,000 and temperatures regularly soaring to over 40 degrees, it was a stifling place for two young boys. With just one year between them, they got along, but like many siblings, could also be fierce rivals. I wouldn't say we were friends growing up. Like, we always got along, but that's because we had to. Um, yeah, there's always a bit of mischief going on between us. When we were alone, we were fine, but in front of friends and, and things, like, it was constant picking on each other, but more from his end. We both grew up in Cooper PD, and, uh, well, for the majority of our childhood. Cooper PD is in the middle of South Australia. It's the opal capital of the world, and it's um, the one of the hottest places on Earth. There is really, really, really... I would say logical to bring children, bring them up in that town. Like it's just an old person's mining town and it's probably always going to be that way. The brothers were always mischievous, but when Jimmy became a teenager, his behaviour became dangerous. Teased by some of the boys at school, he decided to get his revenge. There was an incident in school where he had had enough of some of the boys teasing him. He always he got into a few punch-ons actually that, that I... I've even witnessed with some of these local boys. So uh, one of these afternoons, he actually brought gelignite, which is what the miners use to detonate the ground. So it's an explosive to the school and somebody found it and told the school groundskeeper and it was hidden in the garden shed. And his intention apparently was to harm the guys that were picking on him. I'm not quite sure what he was thinking and how he would have executed that plan and what would have come out of it. Because I know he knew what they were for and how they massively they destruct things. Not long after, Angelo moved to Melbourne to live with his mum while Jimmy stayed behind with their dad. Then, two years later, Jimmy, then 17, followed. As soon as his big brother arrived, it became obvious to Angelo that Jimmy had developed a problem with the drug methamphetamine, or ICE. Behaviour was sporadic. His regard for the law was nil. And, um, like, he would hang around with some of the, some guys that, you know, some of the homeless crowds in Melbourne and some of the drug scene. 
With Jimmy's behaviour spiralling out of control, it got to the point where whenever the brothers met, it would result in massive rows and even physical fights. Jimmy even put Angelo in hospital, but despite this, he says he wasn't scared of him. I had my finger broken with a baseball bat, trying to block him from hitting me. I always tested his temper. I was never, ever, ever, ever scared of him. As adults, like a bit of violence between each other, I kind of was not afraid of, and I'm still figuring out to this day why. Although at times Jimmy could be out of control, there were moments when a softer side of him showed through. Over time, he became a dad to four kids, and Angelo says when he was with them, he was a different person. When he was with his children, like, I couldn't tell you how much of, like, a different side of him I've always seen. It was pretty natural for him to be a good dad and for his kids and he was like when he was around them. But with Jimmy, there were more moments of bad than good. Moving back to Cuba PD for a while, one night in 2016, he called Angelo in an extreme panic. In the delusion that his girlfriend was cheating on him, he'd rammed her car in the middle of the highway. It was the most traumatising phone call of my life getting a phone call at just after midnight if my brother um, pretty much the fear in his voice or the shake talking to me with um, the words that were coming out of his mouth were I just t-boned his, like his girlfriend and uh, in the middle of the Stuart freeway and like what should I do she, I know she was cheating on me that's why I did it and I was just baffled pretty much at what I was hearing and um yeah, I could not reiterate how much I was trying to get him to call triple zero. I was just surprised that he asked me, what should I do? I, um, like, I, I, if I'd given him the, the go-ahead, he probably would have left her there. Thankfully, Jimmy didn't leave her there, and she spent 23 days in hospital with spinal injuries before being released. She didn't press charges, and Jimmy made his way back to Melbourne, his behaviour more erratic than ever. Unable to process his feelings and knowing how dangerous his brother could be, Angelo didn't speak to Jimmy about that night. Jimmy's ice-taking became extreme and he had countless run-ins with police, racking up offences for driving while disqualified, reckless conduct causing injury, assaulting police and escaping custody. Still, he managed to avoid being locked up and would rampage around at night causing trouble. At that point in time, it was just quite obvious that he was thinking that he was above and beyond any sort of law. Then one night in January 2017, the fractious relationship between the brothers, combined with Jimmy's increasing paranoia, led to a night Angelo will never forget. Jimmy had been arrested brandishing a knife and was facing 23 charges. During a police interview, Jimmy said voices were telling him that the officer interviewing him, Senior Constable Murray Jetner, was trying to get him killed. They've told me that Mr Jetner is after me to get me killed. Which they're saying I wanted to get you killed. Yes, Mm. and you you were trying to kill me. Yes, we have. Believing there was no way Jimmy would be released, Angelo presumed his brother was locked up. But what he didn't know, that was his dangerous and delusional brother had somehow been granted bail. 
At midnight on January 14, 2017, Angelo went around to his mum's apartment to pick up some things. Then, to his shock, Jimmy turned up. He was wearing a suit. He was with his, well, one of his girlfriends. He was wearing a suit. They just had come back from the casino. He was really happy. And I was in shock. And he could, like, it was like I saw a ghost. And he, I just remember him saying, relax, bro. It's okay, you know. Calm down. I'm not here to hurt you. And just laughing. Like he's, yeah, just laughing. That night ended without drama. But then six days later, feeling ill, Angelo returned to his mum's place to pick up some antibiotics and ran into Jimmy again. It was about 1am and I was there and then five minutes later he had rocked up and um, literally just, you know, all is fine. I, I wanted to leave but he wanted to meet my friend who was waiting for me downstairs. Now my friend, his name's Nick, he was driving his Audi A5 and to my brother that is the like perfect vehicle. It was fast, it was sexy, it was a coupe and I knew that he wanted to literally steal it off my mate. I really knew that. That's all he wanted to meet my friend Nick for. And um, so I quite literally was telling him, no, you stay up here. He's like, no, I want to come down and meet your friend. I said, no, you're not meeting him. I'm going now. And he wouldn't let me leave until I agreed to, to let him meet my friend. I was literally trying to get out the door. And I, was, I remember sending text messages to Nick saying, I'll be down in a second. My brother's just, you know, he's trying to, he's just following me. <laughs> And um, everybody knew, like, my brother's kind of mind frame and what he's capable of. Anyway, and um, I finally was able to leave the house and I went down the um, fire exit stairs. Um, but that was when I, he had actually come down the lift one floor and I came down the stairs not knowing that he was going down the lift. And, um, yeah, then it all happened at the front gate. I literally told him to, like, get, go for, like, fuck off, go back upstairs. And as I said that, and when I turned around, he was holding a knife up to the light. Um, where the camera was facing the gate and um, the gate was actually opening and this gate opens so slowly it's like a massive heavy wooden electric gate and um, as it was opening I turned around and saw his knife in the air and I threw my bag at his feet you know the fight or flight mode and I chose to flight through the bag at his feet and like literally legged it across the road it's now like 2am piss pouring with rain and um, the curve in the road made me slip in the gutter across the street. And mind you, my friend Nick is in his car with his headlights literally on me in the rain. And um, I slipped and that's when, yeah, he just came over and stabbed me with his kitchen knife. It's about 15 inches long. And like stabbed me in front of like Nick and my other two friends that were in the car as well. Like I don't remember him saying anything at all really. I just remember hearing screams and um, the Nick's car horn just constantly beeping and me getting out of coming in and out of consciousness so I I actually came to in front of my friend Nick's car on the gutter he was his car at that point was on the gutter as well on the curb and I remember the horn just beeping and my brother dropped the knife next to my head and um I remember laughing at him like smiling and you know as crazy as this sounds I remember laughing at him and his eyes were just staring into the headlights uh, whilst the horn was beeping and then he looked at me and goes like with the stare of like what why with the confused look like why are you laughing and i remember saying like you're fucked now because i was leaning over to grab the knife as i was about to lean over and grab it i realized my whole right arm had been mutilated and i couldn't even lift it up to pick up the knife my whole hand had been stabbed through my elbow had been ripped apart with two stab marks and then he picked up the knife and went at me again hacked at my head so holding me up by the scruff of my hair 
and hacking at my back of my head like a pineapple his pupils dilate and goes into that psychosis psychotic mode um that's the look where i know that you know it's, it's like a vacant like psycho like look like you know almost like possessed trapped in the gutter being stabbed in the head by his own brother angelo knew he needed to get into his friend's car and get away but with his arm in pieces he struggled to find the strength to escape although jimmy's girlfriend lorinda was trying to hold him back jimmy kept stabbing wildly i was actually trying to get in the car a number of times and the door of that a5 is so heavy and big I remember it opening and I was on the ground. I remember it opening and knocking me out unconscious again because it, was that, it swung open that fast. And then I remember Wake coming to behind the car and Lorinda actually held him like, uh, you know, how people crack each other's backs. <laughs> she actually held him in that position and um, she kicked me into the car and held him back. And uh, I could just hear my mom screaming as well. And it was just, boom, I was in the car. We just reversed, spun around. Thankfully, the hospital was just two blocks away and Angelo made it to emergency in the nick of time and was rushed into the operating theatre where he was placed in an induced coma. He woke three days later to some devastating news. His brother hadn't stopped when he'd attacked him. Jimmy had gone on to do something incomprehensible, which had resulted in innocent children and adults being massacred in broad daylight. As I was coming to in the hospital and I was getting what I thought was like um, attention from just medical staff in general and questions, the questions they were throwing my way was like, you know, your, your brother's just killed five people, another one's in critical um, in a critical and 28 are injured, how do you feel? And I'm just like thinking, me, like, what is going on? I couldn't actually speak even, and I just remember um, just tearing up because I couldn't actually, there was no emotion I was able to kind of portray except for just the tears coming down my face that I was just like having that shock realization that these are not um, medical staff, these are not doctors, this is actually media. And my brother, somebody who's related to me has actually killed people. After he'd stabbed his own brother in the head, Jimmy had continued on his rampage. Following a police pursuit lasting hours, he'd driven a stolen Commodore into the centre of Melbourne. Heading up Burke Street, the main artery that runs through the city, he'd mounted the pavement and indiscriminately driven into pedestrians. In just 55 seconds, he'd hit 33 people. Good afternoon. We have the latest on the tragic story unfolding in central Melbourne and shocking new pictures of a driver doing burnouts near Federation Square have emerged before he ploughed down pedestrians, killing one. He can be seen hanging out the window, smoking up the tyres in front of shocked onlookers. He then sped down Swanston Street up to Burke Street, at times along the footpath, running down dozens of pedestrians. Witnesses say people ran for their lives. A male deliberately drove into pedestrians in the Burke Street Mall and we currently have three deceased and at least 20 injuries. I can confirm that we believe this is connected to an earlier stabbing in southern metro region uh, and then he deliberately drove into the crowd. 
After the journalist had been cleared out of Angelo's room and he found out more details about his brother's devastating massacre, Angelo couldn't comprehend what had happened. Footage of his crazed brother ploughing into innocent people was going viral and Angelo was left in complete shock. I started like looking at videos, coming to the realisation that all of this has happened and not knowing what to think and at that point in time I couldn't uh, I was in that. I was on that much painkillers. I just, I couldn't tell you how um, it, it even resonated because I, it was almost like it wasn't happening, and it just became more real and real as the hours went by. As the days passed and the death toll rose, it was confirmed that six people had lost their lives that day. They were three-month-old Zachary Bryant, who'd been in a pram with his two-year-old sister Zara, who was also seriously injured. Then 10-year-old Talia Haken, who was on her way to a magic show, holding her mum's hand when she was hit. Beautiful 22-year-old Jessica Moody was struck and died at the scene, as did Yosuke Kano, 22, who'd been outside Amart Sports. 33-year-old Bavita Patel worked nearby and died in hospital 10 days later, and Matthew C, 33, also made it to hospital, but later died of his injuries. The way I felt, I can't even describe, like knowing that somebody so closely related to you has done something that horrific, um, you can't put into words. As Australia mourned the loss of six beautiful people, questions were starting to be asked about why Jimmy had been freed on bail to commit such an atrocity. As Angelo recovered from his injuries and was released from hospital, Jimmy was charged with six counts of murder and endangering the lives of 27 people, to which he pleaded not guilty. Diagnosed with schizophrenia, he was deemed fit to stand trial at Victoria Supreme Court. On November 13, 2018, James Jimmy Gargasoulis was found guilty of all charges and later sentenced to life in jail with a non-parole period of 46 years. For Angelo, the night his brother attacked him and then went on to murder six people will never leave him. But he believes that not only could Jimmy have been jailed sooner, meaning it may never have happened, but he could also have dealt with his brother's increasingly fragile mental state differently. Having learned more about schizophrenia and drug-induced psychosis, Angelo says he now regrets some of the ways he spoke to Jimmy. Telling him you're just a junkie or dismissing him with things he would say, asking Siri to call a cat team, for example, as a joke, things like that, like so deeply, like, you know, now looking back would be like so regrettable because like, you know, actually this guy needed help and to not understand mental illness and to not recognise it. It's pretty sad, I think, anyway. Despite Jimmy stabbing him in the head and nearly killing him, the brothers still speak regularly, and Angelo forgives Jimmy for what he did to him. I forgive him for what he's done to me. I know now he just really was needed help. Like, he really was, like, a, a mentally unwell person who was needed the help that he could have so easily had gotten. So, I actually... Uh, get phone calls from him daily. Um, so he has uh, he's a 23 hour lockdown. On his one hour run out, um, he calls me and he usually just asks me to play. He just asks me to play music from my Spotify, and I'll just leave my phone next to a song that he requests, and I'll just tell him I'll, I'll come back as soon as the song's finished, and I'll just go do whatever I was doing. Um, 
But I actually, yeah, I visit him every Thursday now. Well, try to anyway. He's apologized countless times. To my brother, at the end of the day, I'm going, I can't reiterate how much I value family. I will always try and be there and support them in the best way I can. And in this way, for my brother, it's mentally. I can't say I could support him in what he's done. I will not contribute to his deteriorating mental health. I will not add to it. Angelo understands that for the victims of Jimmy's actions that day, hearing that he gets to live his life, even though he's incarcerated, must be really hard. Angelo would even like to speak to the victims and their families if they were open to it. I really, really feel for the families. I really, really, really want to be there. If I can in any way like contribute to helping them in any sort of way mentally, overcoming any sort of struggle that they may have, then I'm more than happy to. For Angelo, although he's recovered from his injuries, his life will never be the same again. Over two years on from the attack, he's understandably still processing what his brother did. I'm still figuring out how I'm um, mentally coping, even to this day, but I don't actually am forever learning about myself and um, forever going to try and understand how I'm actually coping with everything that's going on. I find therapy through... Uh, surrounding myself with my friends and talking to my friends and trusting that they are the right people to to be around and, and talk to and constantly be talking to and always be, you know, surrounded by positive support. If you feel you've been affected by any of the topics in this week's episode, Help and support is available by calling Lifeline on 13 11 14 or lifeline.org.au or Beyond Blue on 1300 22 46 36 or beyondblue.org.au. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you don't miss more incredible stories of survival. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. It really helps. And we'd love it if you could find our Facebook group, How I Survived, and we're on Twitter, at SurvivedPod. Next time on How I Survived. The water rose from my ankle to my knee within seconds. And I got pulled under the water again, like in a washing machine, and kept tumbling and tossing and turning. And it came to a point when I thought, that's it. I have no air left. I prayed to God. Please, dear God, don't let me die. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.